All right, anybody have anything you want to share? Give away that you've been gleaning and reading. We're up to chapter 28, but it could be anywhere. It seemed like forever since we got to get in it and dig. There's so much that's going on. This is going to start moving pretty quick as it already has. You've got to keep in mind, by the time we get to the Exodus time frame, as we are, actually we won't move into Exodus. We may pick up maybe down the road in the next couple months. I do have a reading calendar put together. We'll keep reading in Genesis, and then we're going to jump back into the New Testament in Ephesians and I think Colossians, and then we kick off next month in the Psalms. We'll read the Psalms again and go through that. But you got to keep in mind, we're talking about a 600-year time frame that's going to transpire to the time frame that we get to Moses from the time of Abraham's promises that God made to him. So you're crossing some, quite a few years that are going to happen in brief amount of times. For an example, with Jacob and Esau. I've shared this with you before, but it's something that you probably want to note in your scriptures so you, you see it when you read it. But these guys were 70 to 72 years old when this happens with their mother and deceiving Isaac. When Isaac's eyes was dim and he couldn't tell who was before him, they're in their 70s. I know you don't see it if you just casually read through it. It paints no picture of that, but the Bible's clear on their ages in the sense of how old they were when they went here and how old they were when they went there and how old they were when uh, Isaac gave birth to these twins. He didn't give birth to them, but the mama, I mean, he's the daddy. You know what I mean by that. Uh, He got married at 40 years old, and he didn't have them until he was 60. He was 60 years old when these twins were born. And then you take a gap of time in there, and they are 70 years old when Jacob deceives him at Rebekah's advice. Because God had told her in her womb she had two kingdoms, two people groups, two nations. And one God loved and the other he hated, the Bible tells us. According to Malachi, according to the book of Romans, that Jacob was the one that he had put his hand on. And so it's important for you to have that visual picture of their real-time ages, how old they are. And he's going to be 90 years old when he leaves Laban in Padam Aram when he makes his way back and he and Esau are going to have an encounter with one another. He's, he's 90 uh, at that time. So we're not talking about spring chickens, are we, Brother Shannon? No. We're talking about some people that's had some, some mileage on them, some uh, hardness to them through the years. And it's also important for us to note that in some of the language that you see in chapter 28, you've got to keep in mind that God was fulfilling the promises that he made, number one, to himself. To himself. God swore by himself. When a man swears, he always swears by something greater. But God didn't have anyone greater, so he swore by himself to Abraham of what he was going to do. And he preached the gospel. He preaches the gospel in this right here, in these words that he gives. When he says, in you all the nations shall be blessed. That's a gospel message. That's preaching the gospel according to Galatians. 
that the scriptures foreseeing what God would do preached the gospel when he preached these things and shared. Like verse number 14 of 28. Notice this. And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and east, to the north and the south, and in you, Jacob, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is a gospel message. That's 28.14. Genesis 28.14. And I'll show you that. Hold your spot there and go to Galatians 3. Go to Galatians 3. Remember, we interpret all this with greater light from the New Testament. Praise God, we got clearer and greater light on that because they help us. They help us. All this that you're reading right now about Jacob, Jacob's ladder that he sees, Jesus dealt with that. That he's that gate. He's that door. He's the one that ascends and descends and the only way to access the Father is through him. And he deals with some of these things. But I'm going to go over to Hebrews chapter 6. Let me see. But Hebrews... 6 for an example 13 Hebrews 6 13 for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater he swore to himself saying surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you and so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end to all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to make the heirs of promise, mutability of the council confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which in enters the presence behind the veil. So that's the one particular note that I wanted to bring out that God swore to himself when he made that to Abraham. And that swearing to himself is over in Genesis 22 when he says of myself of what I was going to do to you. Now Galatians let me find what I'm wanting to pull out of Galatians. And it, I said three, and it could be four, but I'm going to find it. Give me one second. It says, for the scripture foreseeing, seven, therefore know, this is three, seven, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So we're not talking about physical descendants. We're talking about, as Genesis 18 says, those that are after you. Verse eight, and the scripture so if the scripture foreseeing, that's telling me that the scripture is alive, right? Yeah. The scripture is one that cannot lie because the scripture comes from God. Amen. So the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the what? Preach before the, gospel. the gospel to Abraham before saying, in you all the nations shall be what? Blessed. Isn't that exactly what he told Jacob? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, Galatians or the New Testament only emphasizes the one time, but every time God brings that out, that's the scriptures preaching the gospel. 
that the only way God was able to bless us, the Gentiles, as well as the Jew, was in his seed, and that seed being Jesus himself. So we see a foreshadowing of the gospel being proclaimed. So when we bring that in, that's going to be Genesis 22, 15, but also in chapter 28. That's what we see in that verse number 14. Genesis 28, where he says that, that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a gospel message. All the families of the earth. How can that be? Somebody is going to die in their stead. So you can put, Beside that, Galatians 3, 8 through 10 as a reference and also Hebrews chapter 6, which is the fact that God, he swore to this and he swore of himself to do that. The other thing that you want to bring out or something that I noticed in it, something to think about, what does Jacob's name mean? Y'all remember? A deceiver, a surplanter. God has not changed Jacob's heart at this point. That's why we see in chapter 28, how does God show himself to him? What does he say? What does he do? What did he have? A dream. A dream. So, that's right. You see the latter thing. But through a dream. Not that he encountered him like he did with Abraham. But he spoke to him through a dream. And in the dream, God promises him three, a couple things. Let's just look at it. What does it say in verse number 15? What did God tell him? Behold, I am what? Now the, the thing that we see with the Lord, when a man knows who God is, and he trusts this God, and he believes this God, he knows God's with him, but more than that, he wants to be with God. That is, God shepherds, he leads him. See, but God knows what he's going to do with Jacob. He knows where he's going to take Jacob. Why? Because Jacob is in that line that God made a promise to. So what do we see? We see grace at work. God preparing a man for something down the road that the man can't even see at this time what God's going to do with him. He says, I am with you, I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. That's not saying that I'll ever leave you. That's, that's not like there's a conditional phrase, I'm going to leave you. He's just saying, I'll never leave you, I'm going to fulfill what I said, is the whole point in it. But notice that, I will keep you wherever you go. The the. What happens with us in Christ, it's not that we take Christ where we go and he comes, follows us. What do we do? We take him at his word, trust him, and he shepherds us because he's changed us. He's made us new creatures in Christ. Jacob ain't been changed yet. He will be. That's coming. And he's not going to be changed until what? God wrestles with him. And God gives him another name and he changes who he is. But in here, and I'll show you the evidence of what I'm saying. This is how he's looking at it. Now, God's got plans. Jacob ain't going to get away from this. He is reserved, predestined to have an encounter with a holy God. Ain't nothing going to stop it. Ain't nothing going to get in the way of it because it ain't about Jacob. Who's it about? 
It's about what God's going to do. But notice how Jacob responds to this. He's not caught up in God himself. He's still focused in on the natural. Notice what he does. Verse number 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not what? Now watch what he's going to do. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is what? He's focusing in on what? The place. That something's got to be special about the place. And it wasn't as much about the place as what God was going to do with the person himself in bringing about his work through his life. But see, he's so caught up in something's got to be different about this place. How awesome is, not how awesome God is, not how awesome the Lord is, but how awesome the place is. Why? Because his heart hadn't been changed. And all he could think about is what natural men think about. If God showed up in the place, well, they obviously say, man, something must be different about the place. So he's focusing in on the place. It ain't the only time. Watch. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took a stone that he had put at his head, set up a pillar, and he poured all on top of it. We assume that's a picture of anointing the oil, anointing the rock. Number one, uh, you got to think about if he's coming back to this place, it'd be a good way to recognize where I was at and what rock I was at if it's got oil on it because oil don't go nowhere, right? It's going to seep in to the rock. It's going to stay on it. He's marking it of what he's doing. Verse 19, and he called the name of the place Bethel, and that means what? House of God. That's what that means. Now, the place itself, prior to that, that area was called Luz. And Luz, that word means separation. But he called it the house of God, but he named the city, the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow. Now, listen to his vow and listen to all the pronouns that are mentioned in it. If God will be with me. And if God and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be. You you see the conditions that he's throwing out there. Why? Because he's focused more in on the place and on what God's got to fulfill for him if he's going to serve him. Not that God's worthy. Not that if God chose to do anything else he wanted to do, it would be fine by me. But he says, I will only serve him if he does this. That's a natural man. That's what natural men do. Even after having a dream or an encounter with a holy God. When your heart's not been changed, that's how you think, Keith. That He can be my God if he meets these conditions. If he meets all these conditions. If I make it back to this rock after a 500 mile journey to Padan Aram and he looks after me, he takes care of me and he feeds me and he does all this for me and gets me back in peace to my father's house, I'll consider serving him. That's what a natural person would do. 
but a new creature in Christ would say, God, take me wherever you want to take me. Do with me whatever you want to do with me. Make me whatever you want to make me. He's not that though. Then he says, verse 21, so that I come back to this place, verse 22, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you have given me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So now he's looking at it from, I've got to return something for what you've given me. But see, Jacob's going to go down there. He's still the deceiver, still the surplanter. We know what's going to happen. Then he's going to get tricked, right? We know what his father-in-law is going to do to him. But you see what I'm saying. You notice all the pronouns, the me's, the me's, the me's, the I's and the I's and the me. He's not lost in the Lord. It's still about who? Jacob. It's still about Jacob. He's the kind of, of person that we see who focuses in on the, all the external stuff. Yeah. Makes it all about me. And if it don't go my way, uh, I got a problem with it. But that's not New Testament, new creature, new creation. Now remember, this guy's under grace. God showed himself to him in a dream. Didn't speak to him directly no. in a dream. Because God had a plan for it. Just like how God had a plan for us. And God kept us. And God held us. When everything in the brother could have went wrong. But he had a place. He had a a time for us to have an encounter with him. To meet him. To transform us from within. To take the old stony heart out. And put a heart of flesh in that's then moved by. Well we're not making it about us. It's saying God you can do whatever you want with me. Whenever you want, however you want, I'm at your mercy. I don't come to you with no conditions other than I don't want to take another step unless you direct my life. Amen. That's the difference. That's the difference that we, we see here with Jacob and what God's going to do with him down the road. Now, go to John chapter 1 and look about verse 48 or 50. Let's parallel this real quick about this ladder. John 1. What you got, Brother Shannon? No, I, I, I had that. You wrote down that? Yeah, John 1. Yeah. Uh. Yes, yes. And the reason I say that, everything you see and happen right here is something that is also pre-shadowing of future things, future events. You see that God's anointing was upon his rock. Who's his rock? Who's our foundation? Jesus, did God pour out his anointing upon him? Yes. Was he anointed to preach good tidings to the poor? Yes. And in John chapter 1, in this conversation, about verse number 47, he says, Jesus said to Nathanael, coming toward him, and he said to him, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no deceit. Okay, what does that take us back to? Whose name was changed to Israel? What Jacob's name mean before he was named to Israel? Deceiver. Look, an Israelite, one of Israel, whom there is no supplanting, no deceit in. That's taking us right back. And then you're going to see the context of what I'm talking about. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I done had an eye on you. I know who you are. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, 
You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see what? Heaven open and the angels of God doing what? Ascending and descending upon who? Isn't this exactly what we just saw Jacob in the dream? He saw a ladder. And upon the ladder, angels what? Ascending and descending. And Jesus said, access of that ladder, that gate of the presence of God is found in who? Not in a ladder, but who? The son of man. That's where the access comes in. And the rock of his presence of the son of God at work in our life. So all these things that you see with Jacob are something that is going to be highlighted again in a future day and brought to light for us. But it also shows us as well that, look, God had plans for Jacob. He was going to change the man. Amen. He encountered him. He promised he would keep him. But it wasn't about Jacob as much as about what God was going to do with Jacob. And what he was going to do with it. Just like it's not really been about us, right? Amen. It's what God has chosen to do. And when he has chosen to do it and he makes that clear to us, we then, on a consistent, regular, growing basis, stop making it about us too. And we start making it about him. Amen. And that's the sign of the growing of the grace of God in our lives where it ain't about us. We know what, it's, what this is all about. It's for his glory. Is for his glory. So, man, all these things just richly bless me. They're good, they're helpful, they speak to us, and they give us insight on how we can recognize uh, the grace of God at work and how we can recognize a natural man when he has been encountered with things and how he still thinks. And then we're going to see in his testimony of what happens when a man truly does wrestle with God and how God changes how he walks and changes his life. And um, but all so rich and good, rich and good. I was really wanting to get in tonight and talk about old Eliezer, that steward that Abraham had, and looking at his life and how faithful he was. Here's a man who wanted more than anything was to glorify his master at whatever the cost and went anonymous. Didn't matter if they know who I am, I got a mission to accomplish, and that is to go. Retrieve a bride from a master son. And trusted God to, to work it out. That's what we get to do. He's a picture of us. That the father has a bride for his son. Amen. And he sends us out to go find her. And then we're dependent on him to manifest them to us. Yes. And then we, more than anything, can care less if they know who we are. Sure. We just want them to know who he is. Amen. Amen. So it's, it's so many great and wonderful things and how he was passionate. He ran to them when he saw the women at the well. And man, there's so many good nuggets all the way. We talked about them before. And, um, but I was, I was trying to find that message from years ago and I can't seem to locate it wherever it may be, if it ever got recorded at all. But we talked about a lot of those principles then. I was hoping to find it and be able to share it. But anyway, God's good, ain't he? You got a birthday, Carolyn? Yes. How old you going to be? I don't know. You done forgot? 
I know, isn't that something? She done got to where she forgot. How, when's my birthday? You remember? She can't remember. And she used to never forget her birthdays, huh? Yeah. And when's your birthday? She ain't forgot hers yet, huh? When is mine? When's your sister's birthday? Uh, June 6th. No, my daddy's. That's your daddy's birthday, June yeah. 6th. So you're going to be 57 or 56? 57. You sure? Yeah. yeah. 57. How about that? How old Stephanie? What? You remember her birthday? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> yeah, what what date is it? <laughs> yeah. God is so good. He is, Carolyn. He is. Well, let's pray. Father, we bless you. Thank you. We ask you to help. We ask you to guide us, to teach us, to help us with these things. To, uh, we know you're with us, and you'll never leave us nor forsake us. But even more so than that, we're just blessed that you've invited us to come to you and to walk with you. Thank you for your yoke that is easy to bear and that we can learn from you. So Lord, we're looking to you tonight just asking for your help. We're praying over these that we've lifted up tonight. We're praying for Miss Peggy and Mr. Dickey and Karen and her family and these others that have been brought before you. There's so many needs that it just goes beyond our capability to even remember them all. But we know this, they do not go unnoticed or unseen by you for you tell us that you capture every tear and not one hair falls from our head without being noticed uh, how all that works out is way beyond us but that's why we trust you for you are he who sees you're the god who hears you're the god who provides you do what we can't do and therefore we are at your mercy even in this place tonight so, Lord, we're just asking for your guidance that you would continue to shepherd us and that we would forever praise you. So thank you for looking over our families, our people, and that you would use us, that you would use us to go uh, rescue your bride in these days that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all. Y'all have a good night.